Well, well, thank you, Pastor, for inviting us. And thank you so much that you've chosen to invest in your marriages. Yes. We're just going to run a little, whoop, I guess, guess, pointing at you, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Go. You look like a supermodel, eh? You look fantastic. Newlyweds. Do these pants make me look fat? We could get you a treadmill for Christmas if you really wanted one. Not so newlyweds. Hey, I heard the car pull up. Let me get one of these bags. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Newlyweds. There's, there's somebody at the door. Not so newlyweds. You look really handsome tonight. It's only because I have to keep up with my beautiful wife. Newlyweds. You know, you could have at least not worn a hat. Or a pizza joint, not a rehearsal dinner. Not so newlyweds. Honey, that, you missed your turn. <sighs> Sorry, I'll turn around. No worries, we can be a little late. Newlyweds. I can't believe you just missed your turn again. Do you want me to drive? Sure, if you, you want. You know what? Just get us there. Not so newlyweds. Excuse me. <laughs> no worries. It's kind of cute. Newlyweds. <laughs> Sorry. Not so newlyweds. Well, thanks, honey, for helping me with the dishes. The quicker we get done with this, the sooner I can eat your delicious cooking. Newlyweds. Would you mind helping me with the dishes? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna just gonna finish the sports section real quick. So what you're saying is you never want to have sex with me again because that's what it sounds like. Not so newlyweds. Okay, look, that's one of the things about um, marriage is that we start off things going really well and we do all the, the very best things we can to impress each other and then things sometimes don't end up staying that way. In fact, around the world, one in two marriages end up in divorce and that's a big part of us and why we're doing what we do now. Just want to tell you a, bit, a little bit about our family. It is so nice to be here, everyone. Nice to be here in Wellington. This is our family. We have uh, three boys. We've been married 34 years, 35 this year. And um, three boys are now all married. Um, when we took this photo, this is two and a half years ago. This is the last time. Can you see in the back there? Hopefully you can find a space that you can see. We're going to use a lot of screen today. But um, last time we were together was three and a half, two and a half years ago. And this is, um, since then, we've, they've been producing really well. So we now have this, um, our son Samuel here. He's in Finland. He now has another child. That's three children and one more on the way. The, um, the, the couple that are just married, are ex they're in Australia and expecting their first baby. So that's number four, five. And the couple on the other side, they're the only couple in New Zealand. They are in Auckland and they have a little girl called Evangeline and we're there to help them and we're so excited that we've got some family around us. So we love family, we love doing family and um, it's just so precious. So that's our family, three boys and their beautiful wives and coming up this year, six grandchildren. So yay. So as Greg alluded to, um, I did 20 years in the military, came straight out of school, went into the military, did 20 years um, with the Air Force. Uh, so I understand, um, like you said, submission and, and honor, understand those things and respect. Uh, we then um, left that and proceeded to run a Christian camp in Nelson for 16 years together. Uh, and that was the first time that we had actually really operated together as such, because Jenny homeschooled our three boys and all the way through and so now we were we we're living at camp working there and uh, trying to figure out how do we do this thing together Ministry and and together. that that yeah. caused some little bits of issues early on trying to figure out how to because i thought i was the boss and <laughs> it wasn't quite like that so uh, 
16 years into that, and then we finished up running camp and decided about then, uh, you know, uh, we'd, we'd have children coming to camp and then we'd see them go home to the families they were going home to or sometimes even had to send kids home or, and whatever and we could see there were some, some pretty sad families that these kids were going back to. Sad relationships, sad families. You know, even, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry to say, but sometimes we'd have people drop their kids off and clap with glee. Yay, we're free of our kids for a week. Uh, some people feel that way, but we kind of think that's sad that you actually want to be rid of your kids for a week. Um, but anyway, that's the way it goes. So we thought, well, here's some issues here with family and marriage, and we want to do something about that. And we decided to take a, a big step and just go, let's just go full-time in this, God. We feel you wanting us to do this. Uh, you know, one and two are getting divorced. We've got to do something about that. So away we went. So we've been working with couples for a this is about our 13th year now um, with pre-marriage and um, crisis marriages and just, um, just really passionate about seeing marriages be all that God wants them to be. You know, the church just doesn't get that revelation and we are really passionate and I'm so disappointed I missed this morning and I'm going to get the tape because I want to hear the revelation that came out of the church this morning because it's our heart and it's our passion and we just uh, love what you're doing, love the vision. So we let's just kick off. Thank you. Oh sure, thanks. When we run conferences like this, we uh, normally have a part that talks about spiritual intimacy, which you've covered this morning. So we're so grateful that we've walked into that part of it, and so you understand that and where that's going from for, for the next part. And we're going to cover two out of seven different regions today that we think are important in marriage. But let's just think, wouldn't it be absolutely amazing if your marriage shout it out to the world around you. This is the way that God intended. Wouldn't it be incredible if your marriage was so full of vibrant color that it spoke to people around you? We want to be like them. What have they got? Now, a lot of people just, you know, are struggling in marriage, and we've been talking to people for 10 to 12 years about this, and we've come to the conclusion it's really not that hard. People just don't know how to be married. We, we kind of get together and, you know, you get married and it's till death to us apart, apparently, and then it's good luck with that, and on, you're on your own. Yeah. It's really not that hard. The people we come across, we just go, oh, man, just use this tool here, and we've developed seven tools. Use that tool there, and they're going, oh, <laughs> and, you know, the problem can be solved so easily. So we're really looking forward to talking about uh, some things this morning with you, which will help you flourish your marriage because that's where we all want to end up just having our marriages absolutely ablaze in light that just says man we are just so utterly in love and people around us are going we want what you've got so i want to start off by talking about honor honor i think is such a huge key in marriage oh sorry all you i'm not sure if you're gonna click away or not Okay. Is that me or you? Okay, I'll try to do better next time. Maybe that one. Okay, let's talk about honor. I think if we could just grab hold of what honor really means in our marriages, we would probably resolve all issues. Now, honor is, and I understand honor because of my military background fairly well, honor is like deep respect. In the Air Force, you have respect because you have to salute the guy above you and people below me, you know, when I was an officer, would be saluting me and I, it's just a, a whole tiered system. And you show respect to the guys above you by saluting them. But honor's a whole different field than that. Honor's like deep respect because respect is earned. You get given your rank because you've done so many years or you know, you've got certain qualifications, but honor, you can't. Earn. Sorry, honor is not given to you. Honor is earned. Honor is like, you know, you know, you know at, um, at uh, New Year's when we, we, we see people honored by um, the Governor General, you know, you know we're going to call you now, you've just now got an MBE or whatever, because this person is, 
uh, done something amazing, so we want to honor them. But in marriage, we, we're looking at honor as going, well, how do we work that out in marriage and so that uh, you just feel totally happy and totally, yeah, this, this, is, this is working well. What I like to do as an example is I'm going to, I'm going to just pick up this, this picture here. Now, I bought this picture in a second-hand store. I thought, this is a pretty cool picture. I bought this in a second-hand store. Some of you are thinking, oh, <laughs> why would you buy that? <laughs> All right. So I bought this picture in a second-hand store, and I want to auction that to do a mock auction with you today of how much you would pay for this wonderful example of some pink-faded flowers here. <laughs> so can I have a first bid? Who's, who's going to bid for me? We're just a mock auction. I bought this at a second-hand store. I want to know what you think this thing's worth. Go. We've got a dollar for the frame. Thank you very much. It is made of... <laughs> it is made of Pinus radiata, so that's, that's good. Any advances on one dollar? I've got two. We've got two. We've got, got two dollars. Two dollars over here. Two dollars over here. Can I have C3 anywhere? We've got three dollars over here. Three, any advances on three? Ten dollars. Ten dollars. We've got a ten bid from the pastor. Anybody? <laughs> any greater bids than ten bucks on this photo, on this picture here? Whoa, we've gone up to fifty. Fifty bucks. Anybody would want to advance on fifty dollars? Sold to the man over here. Sold. Whoa. Hang on. When I read this very closely, I can see that it says Monet. Hmm. Can we restart that and say, now please, this is a Monet. What am I bid for this Monet? Can somebody give me a thing? 1,000? 10,000. Keep on going. Anybody else, please? Anybody bidding higher than 10,000 on this Monet? 50,000? Keep going. Anybody else? 100,000. Thank you. We're up to 100,000. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just stop there. It's probably worth 100 mil for a Monet. It's not actually a Monet. <laughs> what I'm talking about here is perceived value. You see, when you saw that I bought it from a second-hand store and it was just an average-looking painting, we all thought, yeah, <laughs> I didn't pay 50 bucks for it. It was less than that. Uh, we all sort of thought, yeah, it's kind of a warehouse-looking thing, not knocking the warehouse. But, um, and your value came down on it because it just didn't look that great. But all of a sudden, when it had the signature on it, on Monet, one of the world's most famous artists, all of a sudden, its value increased just because of a signature. Your perceived value suddenly rose, and that thing's worth millions, and if, to be honest, if, if it was a Monet, I wouldn't be waving it around. It wouldn't have probably a pine frame. It'd probably be in a big glass case with some big guy guarding it because of its perceived value. So how do you perceive the value of your spouse? My goodness, how we treat our spouse sometimes might be a little bit like we bought them from a second-hand store. We're talking about perceived value and how we actually treat our wives. It's easy to say, yes, I, I honor them, and yes, you know, she's the most wonderful thing ever. But when it comes down to it, you know, you might say things like, um, babe, I'm really loving this cake you made, and not quite as good as my mother's, but really liking that. <laughs> you know, maybe you can get away with a few of those, but, um, or maybe, hey, listen, babe, you're making us late again. We really need to be going... There's not a lot of perceived value going on there and a lot, a lot of honouring, really. So we've got to be a bit careful in how we, you know, we've got to get real on how we really are treating our spouse. So picture this. If you could take this away today, this one thing. What about if God had autographed your spouse for you? What would their perceived value be? Can you imagine that, that God has his signature on your spouse for you? I can say that with all certainty, because that is what God has done for Jenny for me, and he told me so. He said, I made her for you, and I want you to have her, 
And so all of a sudden, her perceived value is huge to me because I know that God told me, I made her for you and I want you to have her. He also said, but remember this, that if you hurt her, you hurt me. It stuck with me for 35 years ago. I asked her to marry, I said, God first, is this the right person? That's what God told me. So I went from there. So perceived value for me is perhaps a little easier because she clearly has God's signature on her for me. Um, so I, I, I don't treat her perhaps as perfectly as I should all the time, but I can come back to I know that God made her for you. So if you could just even take that little thing away about imagine if your spouse had God's signature saying I made him, made her for you. Wow, what would that be like? So what does honor look like in marriage? We've got a video. Whoops. Thank you. <laughs> Dad reckons mum is the greatest cook on earth. What do you call that, Dom? Sponge cake. Beautiful. And what's that stuff on top? Icing sugar. How is it, kids? Now, why would you want to go out to a restaurant when this keeps coming up night after night? I have two brothers and a sister, all older than Hey, isn't that, I don't know if you've seen The Castle. The Castle's a funny film. I love The Castle, and, but isn't that so amazingly honouring? I mean, it's bizarrely honouring. So what does it look like in our marriage then? Um, you know, we can talk about responding kindly to each other, and we can, we can talk about honouring each other and asking forgiveness, but what does it look like in our marriage? Something that I like to do, is I like to honour her in public and praise her in public. So, Jenny, that was a fantastic job you did. And respect, when I choose to respect Cliff in public, I, get, I choose to honour him by being very supportive of him, privately and publicly. It's amazing how many wives I hear put their husbands down um, in front of you and things like that. I mean, you should never put your husband down for woman, but particularly... Um, Publicly is very humiliating for a man, and privately as well in front of the children in every way. I like to introduce her in public if I have, or, or even in any situation. Um, it could be that I sort of veer off and go and talk to people, but I try to remember, hey, this is my wife, Jenny. I try to remember to do that. And that's really honouring to me when he notices me and mm. involves me. I used to stand beside him and think, is he going to notice me? You know, it's a very lonely place when you're standing there and, and just something for husbands to think about. I love to honour Cliff when um, we were very um, intentional when Cliff came home from work. And so as children, we would go, as, as the children were growing up, yay, daddy's home. And we'd stop whatever we were doing and run to him and make him feel like the king has just come home. And um, I, as the children left, um, I still used to run into his arms and jump. And my teenage son used to witness it in his, on his computer in the bedroom, you know, yay, daddy's home, and running up the hallway and jumping into his arms. But you're leaving that honouring memory there, aren't you? You're honouring them instead of, oh, yeah, hi, babe, you know, and carrying on what you're doing. It's honouring them to, to do that. I like to cross the room in front of guests and, and kiss her. If I've just come home from work and uh, some guests have arrived that I haven't seen for a long time, I try to make the point of going, hey, g'day, and just walk straight across to Jenny and give her a kiss and say, hey, how's your day going? For women, another way to really respect your husband is to respect his judgments and let him try and work things out. Guys love to fix things and solve problems. And one of the ways we can honour our husbands is to let them do it. It's hard, without nagging, without doing anything else, but let them solve the problem. Is that right, men? Yes. yes. <laughs> it's a bit of an age-old thing, but I like to open the car door for her, and, I open, and I'd like to um, open the door for her. I've tried to make that a, a, a sort of a, a big thing in, in me, um, to say to my sons, hey, you know, this is important, and so I'll do that for her. He's amazing at that, and people often look at us, you know, it's not often done, but he really wants to do that, and our children have seen that and do that to their wives as well. We're showing and leaving a legacy of honour as well, which is really powerful. One thing, another way that our, we can honour our husbands is to put their needs before our children. 
you know, as women, we get so busy with our children and their needs, and, and there's nothing left at the end of the day. But we've got to remember that our children grow up and leave, and we've got to remember that our, our children, we need to continue to honour our husbands. And the best thing you can do for your children is to show them a strong, wonderful marriage. It's the best thing you can do for your children. Instead of taking them off here and there and there, remember, don't forget your husband in this. They are more important than your children. I have to say that. They are. And we get caught up as women. Um, I have made a little tradition in our house that I like to try to make breakfast in bed for Jenny every Sunday just to, just to do something. I know that's a little tradition I've got going. And I think finally, the only thing way else I've got down, respect and communication. Women, we can be so negative um, with nagging and, and seeing glass half empty, whatever. I know it's a personality thing, but, you know, women, we, we can be like a dripping tap. Um, but the way we talk to each other, we want to try and focus on being uplifting and building up and positive. And um, that's very honouring if you can do that in your marriage. So there you go, there's a bit of a glimpse of honour about what it could be like, uh, some examples from us on how we do it. Um, you know, I don't get it right all the time, but uh, that's my goal, is to honour my wife, and my wife's uh, goal is to honour me and, and what we do. So we're going on to talk about it. We're going to move on now to um, a really important topic. Well, the main topic that we really come to talk to you about is intimacy. We all love talking about intimacy. Now... Yes, thank you. So intimacy, there's three areas of true intimacy. And um, there is emotional, physical, and spiritual. But what we want to focus on just now is the emotional intimacy. And what I've written down, what is emotional intimacy? It's transparency. It's emotional nakedness. This isn't in your book yet. Your books, um, we're going to get you to use as exercises. There is some spare paper for notes, but we're going to, um, there's no spaces to fill in like you were doing before. This is a workbook that you will be doing together once we've covered a topic. Sorry, we should have said that before. I can just hear you looking. Where is she? Where is she? <laughs> no, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. So emotional intimacy is transparency. It's emotional nakedness. It's being naked and transparent. It's relating to each other without barriers, restrictions, or hindrances. Let's see, is it the top button? Second one? Oh, that's going backwards, so it must be that one. Yep, I'm on my way now. It is a place of safety. You know, it's a place where I'm able to be myself around you. Can I be real with you? Is it a safe place? It's a place of vulnerability. It's very, very um, scary being, having intimacy, being intimate. It's a place of acceptance. Now, the reason we say that, because we're not in marriage with true intimacy, you're not trying to change the other person. You're accepting them and valuing them for who they are. Because the true question is, will you still love me as I am? That's what you're asking each other. When you have true intimacy, you really feel safe and you actually let someone see into me, into me see. You're letting, so intimacy is into me see. I'm letting someone see inside of me and they're gonna see the real me. You're gonna see the real me, you're gonna know the real me, but are you gonna accept the real me? And that's that, that fear that we have. If I felt that Cliff was conditional with his love or acceptance of me, if, he, if I thought that he says, well, I love you, but if you could change this, then, then I can't open up to him, I can't be vulnerable with him, I definitely wouldn't be transparent with him because I would think there's something about me that he doesn't like and he's trying to change me. And so our life will be self-protected. It will be disconnected and we won't have intimacy or that naked emotional time. Does that make sense? Now we build intimacy by communication and that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today, communication. 
Now, hands up who feels that they have been misunderstood with their communication skills before. Has anyone felt misunderstood when they tried to communicate? When you've said, but that's not what I meant, and that's not what I said. Has anyone said and it's been totally heard the wrong way? I mean, really, eh? Communication is hard. And when we talk to couples and we ask them if they could invent anything, any tool that would help them with their relationship, what would they make? And many, many couples said a translator that they would understand the other person. Here's a funny video clip, and that is, it's called Manslater. Here we go. Hey, are you golfing today? Yeah. It's the second time this week. But you said it was fine. It is fine. It's perfectly fine. Are you confused by female behavior? Wish you had a translator to understand what she means? Well, you're in luck. Introducing the Manslater, a revolutionary device that translates woman language into simple man words. Finally, the power to know what she means. Okay, cool, let me just check with my wife. Hey babe, a tea time opened up later, you mind if I go? Fine, if that's what you wanna do. No go, stay home! On second thought, I think I'll just stay here with you and watch The Notebook. Now that's more like it. The Manslater uses emotion deciphering technology to help you out of the toughest jams. Hey, is everything okay? You sound upset. Why would I be upset? Forgot anniversary, jerk! Oh, no way! Happy anniversary, babe. You remembered. Come on, of course I did. <laughs> Thanks to the Manslater's patented FemLogic processing chip, now any man can decode statements like, Are you wearing that? You change, now! Hey, do you want to get some coffee? Me want coffee! Do you think she's pretty? You think she prettier than me? Aw, you're such a good friend. Me never date you! I'm fine. Me not fine! I'll be ready in five minutes. Me ready 30 minutes! Do whatever you want. Could you rub my shoulders a little bit? No, hanky-panky. Only massage. Be serious. The man's later even works on men. Finally, women can learn the deeper meaning of his words. Whoa. Your beauty is stunning. Hey, mind if I catch a movie with the guys? You are a lovely, wonderful woman who meets all of my needs. And even though I will miss you, this night I wish to see Death Cop 9 with my bros. I'm fine. I'm fine. Stop looking at me. The Manslater can even be customized, with voices of real celebrities being impersonated, like Yoda. In much trouble you are, to the doghouse go you. Or Mr. T. I pity the fool who leaves the toilet seat up. So get your Manslater today. Clarity is just a phone call away. You need by me. Between there is such difference between men and women. Like, honey, I need your help here. Sorry, I'm not doing that. When I say to Cliff that I have nothing to wear, that means to a woman that I have nothing new or nothing nice that I want to wear. Which astonishes me because I look in the wardrobe and I see many clothes. But if I have nothing to wear, it's all in the wash. <laughs> If I, when I talk, I want to talk face to face with eye contact. Men kind of talk shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> I talk as I think and as I process. And men like to think first and then speak. Normally. I make my decisions on, by my feelings. I definitely like the facts first. I multitask. One thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> when I have a problem, I need to talk it through. I like to think about the problem first and then just do it. You like to fix the problem too, you do. Um, if I'm too, if things get too hard and I'm stressed, I cope by talking it through that. Sorry, that's what we just said. But you go, you're totally different when you're stressed. What do you do, babe? When I'm stressed? Yeah. Uh, shut down, be quiet, walk away. 
or go to your nothing box. Nothing box. Who knows about the nothing box? You've all seen that? Mark Gunga. The Mark Gunga nothing box. It's fantastic. It is great. If you don't, there's a tube, men's brains, women's brains. On YouTube you can watch. It's fantastic. We don't have time for that today, but we love showing that there. We are designed differently. We think differently. We communicate differently. We see things totally in a different way. And you've got to go into marriage thinking of that. The goal of good communication is to understand each other. Now, you've got to get this in your heart because it's not about winning. It's not about control, but we, you know, it's about understanding. Now, we all must keep working on our communication within marriage. You know, you consider your differences. You know, you can be, you know, men, particularly a woman, can be in their workplace and be able to communicate and organize people and do everything, and they come home and they yell at their wife, you know, they, have, they just can't communicate or can't understand their spouse. And it's because in a marriage, in a relationship, it's so different than in the workplace or communicating with any other person because here you've got emotions and you've got feelings and you've got to work with this. It's not the same as any other relationship. And Cliff and I constantly, we're no different. We have, we have tools that we use now which help us, but we still have to work at communicating. No one's exempt from this. Um, so let's look at intimacy, levels of intimacy. Now, this is really interesting because this helps us really understand this. Levels one and two. Can you see back there, or if I stand back, I'll try and remember, pull back, I'm sorry. You've got cliches. Okay, cliche, that's, how are you doing? Fine. You can even have that conversation with people at church. You know, it's very superficial, hi. And then the next level up, you know, facts and information. Well, I've got to pick up the children from school today. Um, I'm gonna pull this back a little bit to help. We've got to pick up the children from school. Yeah, I've got the dentist. This just facts and figures, you know. That sort of levels one and two. You can be communicating with anybody like that. But this isn't going to work in a marriage relationship. You have some of that. But if you live like that, you re really live like roomies instead of lovers. You can't survive in a relationship if you are only communicating at levels one and two with cliches and facts. But the problem is when you get to level three and you start at sharing ideas, opinions, concerns, and expectations, oh my goodness, there suddenly there is emotion involved and there is conflict can so easily happen. And this is where 80% of couples get stuck and they don't know how to cope in, in that situation. So they go back down to as soon as there's conflict, you go back down to levels two and one and stay where it's safe. Let's just communicate about the kids. Let's just communicate about Sunday. But you've got to get into these levels where there is conflict, where there's feelings and needs. You don't worry, you've just got to work out tools to deal with conflict. Every couple has conflict, but it's what you do with the conflict that determines whether it's good or bad. Conflict can be good because it gets out in the open what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and it clears the air, but it's how you do it. And it's got to be done safely, it's got to be done well, and it's got to be done in a loving way. So let's, so level three, so in, when you get to three, you also get infected by germs there. That's the temp, that's the, you've got the chance to be infected by germs. You can withdraw when these conflict starts, you can bring escalation up and you can start escalating into a row and start yelling and screaming and behaving very unchristian-like. Okay, let's put it out there. Not the way that we should. And that's when you start escalating. You can start belittling each other and you can start thinking, well, that's not what... He, he doesn't love me. That's, she's just da-da-da. These are false beliefs. So at that stage when there's conflict, you've got to learn to deal well. It's okay, and we're going to give you some tools today. We're going to give you some practical tools, but I just want you to understand, you've got to go into that level where there's feelings and needs. And then as you go up, you get to feelings and needs, and we're going to make you communicate at that level today. Ha, 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 in a safe place. And that's where you need to be in a relationship. You need to feel true intimacy to let someone into me see 
You have to be talking at feelings and needs to get real intimacy and confession. That is where you're meant to be at levels four and five. So you're not always there, but that you need to have that. Sometimes we're, we're talking about the kids and that, but you need those opportunities to get up there. We need to grow. And so useless questions that we can ask each other when we're getting into conflict, who is right and who is wrong? That is not helpful when you start, when you get into conflict to start thinking that. That's what we're gonna try and get you to think. Who is to blame? The blame game, there's no winners, okay? It's a game that people play, it's all your fault. If only you would change, things would be all right. It's a blame game, no good. What actually happened? Now, it took me a while to think, well, what's wrong with that? You know, what actually happened? But what you're dealing with there is facts. You're not dealing with the heart and the feelings. We want to get you away from the facts and get you into the heart of the issue. Okay? What are we going to do? You're trying to solve the problem. You're trying to be business-minded instead of heart-minded. Okay? We want you to think heart, feelings. How can I change them? And as we today, as we give you some tools for communication, what we want you to do is try not to change the other person. I want you to draw in your mind a circle around yourself and then you think, I'm going to change everything within that circle. Okay, you draw a circle around yourself and then I'm going to change everything within that circle. That means that you only have the power to change yourself. When you try to change other people, you're trying to control them, okay? And you don't have, you can try and it can become very abusive. And that's where abusive relationships really go wrong. Um, but we can only change ourselves and we need to focus on ourselves. Are we living as God intended? So these are questions that you should be saying. Am I trying to convince them I'm right? Which isn't helpful. Am I trying to bring change? Am I trying to change them? Am I complaining? Am I informing them of the facts and thinking this is how it should be? Am I trying to take control? Am I trying to justify? Or, I, or am I really trying to understand them? Am I trying to accept and honour them? Now this is where we want to bring honour into our communication, to value them. And that's why we really wanted to cover honour first, because without honour, you can't go into communication and and work the tools because you've got to value, you've got to see that your spouse is valuable and their opinion matters, that they have feelings and needs that God wants you to hear and to understand. Okay? So those are very, very important things. We have to get to the heart of it. We've got to get rid of the layers of blocked communication that allow people to hide from true intimacy. True intimacy. You've got to learn to communicate at those deep levels. So we're going to do, we're going to do something really practical, Cliff and I, and we're going to give you an example of a style of communication we're going to get you to do as couples. And if you're singles, you can do this as well with another person or just... Um, in groups, you can talk about this. This is a style of communication for anybody, okay? So what we're going to do is we're gonna, we're, I'm gonna tell Cliff something about, that, something I really appreciate about him. Right, we call this the wish list, and it's an ex excellent example of intimacy and honor. We call it the wish list uh, just for the sake of a name. So you carry on. So I'm gonna tell Cliff something I really appreciate him. And he is going to show me that he's listening by repeating, it's called reflective listening. He's going to repeat to me what he has heard me saying. Now couples aren't very good at this sometimes, so this is a basic example and then we're gonna get deeper. And then Cliff is going to tell me something that he wishes that I would do more often for him. We have to stay very calm and I'm gonna repeat back. We're not gonna justify. I'm not gonna try and give my opinion in there. I'm just gonna repeat back what he has said, okay? So, so we're going to get them um, each to do, to, do, to do this. So we'll give you an example. Then we're going to get you to do this, this thing here. And when we, when we say it's a wish list, we want you to go deep. We don't want you to go, yeah, I wish we had ice cream every night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's get really deep and go, you know, you know what I really deep down would love? 
And we've seen this many times when we've done this with people. People just think, oh, I don't know. Then eventually they go deep, deep down. They go, you know what I've always really wanted? Another time, let's just share, share that um, we did this with, with a group, and there was these guys probably in their, uh, maybe their early 40s, and um, he came out crying, and he said, you know, she's never said that to me before. It was a, something appreciating about them. And quite often we just don't seem to get around to really to showing, taking, the time. taking the time to say, you know, I really value that. Man, I can't be married 20 years, and the first time he'd ever heard it from his wife, saying something really awesome about him. Anyway, so it's a good thing to practice, and we practice this sometimes ourselves. Yeah, so this is something we regularly do. Okay. So I'm going to tell Cliff something I really appreciate, just for a space of time. Cliff, what I, one of the things I really, I love many things about you, but one of the things that I really love about you is the way you are so quick thinking to solve our problems like at the airport today. Like at the airport today. <laughs> or I, we thought we were leaving at, I thought we were leaving at 10.30 and it was 10 o'clock. No, right. but you, you're just so amazing at just fast thinking, boof, and you've got an answer and we run with it. But I really, really appreciate that about you. Cool, thank you, Jenny. So what I'm hearing you say is that you really appreciate about me the way I can sometimes just really th quick, quick thinking and solve a problem. Yes. Okay. When he's heard, when he's repeated it back, you'll often, you'll see the person go, yep, that is correct, that is what I said, that's what I communicated. Okay, he's not allowed to make up a justification or anything in there. This is what you're going to do in a minute, okay? It's going to be like that. This is uh, called reflective listening, and okay. it's a great little tool to have to un so that the, each party gets their chance to say something and each party gets their chance to repeat back so that they feel heard. So do you want me to do one or something? You're going to do now something you would love me to do more. Okay. You. So Jenny, one something I'd like for us to do more often is that I really feel that at times I just need a bit of uh, time just to read a newspaper or just to read a book. And we have a very busy life and I, I think I'd like to schedule us into our routine some some time during the day where we just go and blob what i'm hearing you say is that you think our life gets so busy that you would like just to be able to just blob and chill sometimes and that's that you'd like to schedule that into our life because our life gets so busy yeah, yeah that's what i what i said yeah. so it doesn't have to be word perfect but if i get the do you understand you see cliff he was heard Okay, and this is a real thing in our lives. We're not making this up. This is something that Cliff has been asking for for a while, and we're only just starting to work out how to do this. You know, this is a real thing that we're grappling with as a couple. Yeah, so what we want to do, we're going to give you now what we call face-to-face -face time, and we're going to get you to go as to couples. We're going to give you, how are we doing for time? We have no clock. Okay. So you're going to get, uh, we've got, uh, we're going to go for about, Five or six minutes. We're going to give you five minutes to write down in your page, in your booklets now, three things that you appreciate about each other and three things that you'd love the, uh, to, to do, to have done for you or for the other to do. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. and. I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop they, trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I... That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way. Do I have to keep Okay, you know, great communication. I love that guy's eyes, the way they sort of move around as <laughs> he's thinking, ah. Uh, fantastic. 
I'm going to talk a little bit about conflict here because if we have honor in our relationship, we should be able to do conflict really well because we're wanting to value each other and say, you're more important than I am in this situation here. So I, want to, I just want to do this well with you. So I'm going to talk about conflict with you uh, because if we, you know, studies have shown if we take honor out of a relationship, studies shown you're virtually guaranteed in divorce. That's the study. So I'm going to just show you on this board here how things typically work in a conflict or how we get into that sort of situation here. So we're going to have um, a guy here and we're going to have a lady here. If he reacts, if he acts in an unloving manner to her, she's going to react. So if he's unloving, she is going to react back here in a disrespectful manner. It's an interesting thing that the Bible says, husbands love your wives, wives respect your husbands. Now this thing can get out of hand. He's He's feeling disrespected up here, so he's just acting more unloving. She's feeling less loved, and so the whole disrespect thing keeps on going. And you get into this thing called the crazy cycle, and this thing just winds right up. It can end up with someone just going, that's enough, I'm off. So somebody in the relationship actually has to do something about that to stop that whole thing. So what has to happen is one person needs to respond... by doing something to break that cycle. Because you get into the cycle, you're feeling unloved, you just, I just think that you're useless at doing that, oh, I hate you, oh, it just, just gets wildly out of control. Someone has to do something in that relationship. That's pretty tough to, to say, just to just suddenly do it, but you... <laughs> that isn't the case, unfortunately. Respond. I wrote that on the men's side, by the way. So. This, this, when this situation happens, one of you has to do something. One of you just needs to go, this guy needs to go, well, I'm just going to act. <laughs> Babe, I'm sorry. You know, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. And I just, you know, really appreciate and value. Bring some honour back into that thing and you'll resolve that pretty quick. All right? That's called the crazy cycle. And that's the way we get into real quick. I'm just going to go a bit deeper on that. And what pushes our buttons? How do we get into this crazy cycle? What is it that does it? Does, does this stuff to us? And it's worth taking some time to think about what is it that when she does that, what, what is that thing that pushes my buttons? What is that thing that makes me feel irritated? And, and why do I do that? So for me, for Cliff's feelings, for me, if Jenny pushes my buttons, and, and not that she does that because she's a wonderful woman, but if that happened, I would feel, ooh. Okay, if Jenny pushes my buttons, I, for me, I end up feeling unhappy or devalued or humiliated. If she says something that, uh, that just makes me feel irritated, that's the feelings I have. And we'll give you a, a moment soon to just try to isolate what are the feelings you end up with and then how do you react? Because after that, when I have these feelings, typically for me, unfortunately, I tend to withdraw. I don't want to know about it. I do not want to talk about this. No. And I tend to get negative. Well, you know, you know actually, you know, you do that too. And I, I think it sucks that you just blame me all the time or get defensive and say, well, I, I don't think that's, that's the case at all. You're wrong. Unfortunately, I can tend to react in this way. Jenny, on the other hand, wonderful woman. But if I push her buttons... This is what typically happens with her. She starts to feel disconnected or unloved. Is that right? And her reaction is that she complains or gets defensive or gets angry with me. And, um, you know, tragically, along the way of our 34 years, it's taken me quite a long time to work out. You know, I used to sort of just, just about virtually wind her up to see how far she'd go. It's pretty dumb. Uh, and then I took an enormous amount of time to bring her back down again. So, 
Pretty dumb. So look, gentlemen, you know, just get in there fast, say, I'm sorry, you're right. <laughs> or, or whatever, you know, just, you know, I apologize. You know, I shouldn't have said that thing. I should have been more careful. I really value you and honor you and phew, bring all that stuff back in there rather than going through the drama of, of uh, having to get, get back down again. So things that I can do to say, to diffuse the situations, I trust you. Actually, no, Jenny, sorry, says that. That's why I know Jenny would say to me, I trust you. You know, you're saying to us, we're not going to run out of fuel. <laughs> I trust you, whatever it is. It diffuses the situation. For me, I value you and I need you. I value your opinion. Uh, you know, you're right. Maybe we will run out of fuel or whatever. Uh, and I need you to be in part of, part of all this rather than me making all these decisions. So if you've got some time now, and I think we've got some time, we can... You know, we've got these buttons that we have in us, and you can't necessarily eliminate the buttons because there are just certain things that irritate us. But you can learn to change your reactions. And over the time, I've learnt I can start feeling myself withdrawn, I can start feeling myself become negative and defensive, and I know, I know where I'm going with this, and I can get out of that to say, babe, I'm sorry, you know. I'm, I'm starting to feel unhappy about this thing. I'm feeling disrespected. And uh, she'll yeah. go, oh, no. Yeah, and that's something that we can recognize now. It took us a long time. We didn't know this for a long time. And um, once I say, ah, oh, honey, did that come across as dishonoring? That actually wasn't how I intended it. And we can actually diffuse situations straight away instead of them going on a crazy cycle. Once we realize what each other needs, for us too, when we are around people, lots of people like family, I start to feel distance from Cliff. I start to get feeling unloved. And that's when I can get really um, fragile. It pushes my buttons and I have to recognize that. I'm just going to say to Cliff, babe, I need some time with you. I need some quality time. Can we do that? We'll go for a walk. And yeah, I, we're and all I might be completely unaware at this stage, but then Jenny's saying that and I'm going and I've learned to go, oh, okay. So if you can recognize what these things are as we're taking you through, then we're going to communicate again in a deep level soon on that. But what we're going to do now is go... We're just going to give you another five or so minutes and we want you to have a talk together as couples and think, oh, what are the buttons? What, what actually stirs me up and irritates me? See if you can write some feelings down and see if you can think what, what your reactions are. And sometimes you can even need to ask your spouse and say, you know, when I, when I do that, what, what do I, when I feel like that, what do you think you see in me? What sort of reaction? And she might say, yeah, well, you get really angry. Oh. So see if you can identify the feelings, the buttons that irritate you, and then see if you can write your reactions down. Because once you start to learn these things about what's happening in your life, you can start learning to not eliminate the button, but you can learn how to control your reactions. So have yeah, a go at that. change that. Yes, we've got a good 10 minutes or so to give you this. You can go back to the wish list as well, which we didn't have time for before, and talk about this, an area where, think about an area where you've had an argument. It might help you, a recent one, just this week or something. None of you argue, I know. But um, a time of conflict, okay? What is it that sets you off? Just think about it. Go down with your feelings. Identify your, your feelings. We're going from this into, um, it, in a few minutes' time, going into a coffee break. So you've got plenty of time just to talk through this, think through this, talk about that wish list, and uh, just spend Process. some time together. Process, process. process.